gather, ye friends, round your flickering campfires and listen to tales of horror, daring and high adventure from the worn pages of history. Set aside your petty squabbling princes and recent royal deaths and... Oh, well, actually, hang on. No, don't set any of those things aside because they are startlingly relevant and important. So, hey, just listen. Your script started so well, Tombo. But then you just had to instantly bring the mood down with the whole death of the Duke thing, didn't you? Well, actually, Bilbo, we did leave our listener with the hallowed and haunting image of the Duke lying cold and dead upon the ground last week. What? You mean we looked into the future and foresaw the passing of the Duke of Edinburgh? Well, I had better cash in on my newfound soothsaying skills. Anyone for a head reading? I can read heads, you know. Oh, man, I'm going to call my mum. She loves a bit of otherworldly soothing. Or is it sayering? No, 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 my brain Edel fan. We didn't discuss the imminent death of a much-loved, high-ranking, British-based Greek royal. No, we ended the episode with a gesplunking of the Duke of York. What? Andrew's dead now? Oh, no, they're dropping like flies. Although the Queen would probably see that particular passing as a blessing. You know, what with the fact that he's a... Massive No, not that, Duke. We mean Richard, Duke of York. Oh, well, don't die. Just call me Uncle Silly Bilbo Billy. Let's just gloss over that for now, shall we? We have much historying to do. Firstly, let's introduce ourselves to our listeners for the 30th time. Yes, 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 of course. Uh, Who are we and what side are we on? I am your dear Uncle Bob Bob Fitzmersey, and I have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, but the pies are fresh from the oven, they are hot, so very, very hot. I am Uncle Bilbo of Leeds, and it's labour. I don't think he meant that. Oh, God, sorry, uh, new labour. Um, yeah, so anyway, I am the noble and rather well-spoken Sir Pear Bear of Norfolk. So I guess you'd say I'm, um, Yorkist. Ooh, it don't end very well for Norfolk, I'm afraid. As I said, Lancastrian through and through, me. And I am Tombo, master of my household and king of being told what to do and where to be and when to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a puppet king, aren't I? Yes! It's a bit echoey in here. Where are we? Oh, no, not the narrative Ardalada again. I mean, what, what is the deal with it? Is it... Is it a fridge? Is it a bike? Is it, uh, is it a narrative? I mean, it's a narrative thing, isn't it? It can be whatever you want it to be, Bob Bob. Is it a plane? Is it a crane? Is it a hovercraft with a bazooka? It can be whatever you want. And it's like home from home for me. Bit musty in here. Smells a bit like death. As I said, a home from home. Oh, I don't like it in here. I never have, never will. I'm getting out of here before you send me to some god-awful battle with some awful soldiers, or I'll probably get sliced and diced by. I tell you, I am off. Yoink! Has he left? I think so. Why do you ask? If Bob Bob has legged it, then who's this big brooding northern man breathing down my neck? Bilbo, stop scaring the pear bear. You know he frightens easily. It's not me, Tombo. I'm over here looking for a light switch. Well, if it's not you, Bilbo, and it's not you, Tombo, then who is this mean-looking fellow and why are his eyes bulging with rage? I can hear you, you know. Oh, lordy! Sorry, Mr. Man. 
my friend wasn't trying to be rude. Name's Clifford. And don't worry, no offence taken. If I had taken offence, I'd have made you eat me fist. Clifford? As in John de Clifford, leader of the Lancastrian armies? As in Clifford, the butcher? Hold your tongue, man. People shall hear you. They won't. We're in a weird time portal thing. Yeah, why are you in our weird time portal thing? It's our weird time portal thing. I'm here to surprise the Earl of Rutland with me dagger. Oh, is that a fun knockabout party game? Or... No, I'm going to jump straight out to this ladder and kill him. Now, shush, here he comes now. You're right, Rutland. Trying to run away to Sanctuary, were you? Well, not anymore. I have a place much more permanent for you. Not the Arda Larder. It's cramped enough in here as it is. Oh, you fool. I'm going to kill him. Soons, man, you've ruined the surprise now. Don't kill me, Clifford. I haven't done anything to you. Yeah, fair cop, you're right. You haven't done anything to me. You're on your free to leave. Oh, phew. Thank you, my lord. No, I've changed my mind. Your father killed my father at the Battle of St. Albans, so I think it's only fair that you pay the blood debt. Ooh, when Daddy hears of this, he'll be so very angry. He'll lose his head with rage. Yeah, about that. What does that mean? Here, hold my dagger. <laughs> Straight into Rutland's heart, and you're to blame. You gave the Waters of Roses a bad name. Oh, God. I think I'm going to be sick. Back in the larder, gents. Back to safety. Quick! What was all that about? Previously, on the Plantagenets. Right, dear sons of mine. Soon we shall have what has always been ours, a crack at being the king. On the death of King Henry VI, I shall inherit the crown, and you, Edward, shall inherit on my death. Yes, father. But father, what shall become of us? Oh, shush you, George, Duke of Clarence, my other son. With the king captured by Warwick's forces at Northampton, all the Duke of York had to do was put down the troublesome supporters of the Queen, and the crown would be secured. Let us wait here at Sandal Castle, my lord. The armies of the West will join us soon enough, and your victory over the Queen will be complete. Aye, my lord. Uh, so long as you don't do anything hasty, you, let's say, uh, kick open the gates and run pell-mell into single combat with the entirety of the Queen's forces, thus securing your place in history as the greatest knight, lord and king ever to rule this country. Yes. What a great idea. Ah, come on, Dicky. Let's give the boring history nerds something interesting to write about. But, my lord, if only we could wait one more day, thousands more men will bolster your ranks. Victory will be secured. Oh, Salisbury, come on. Don't be so boring. Live a little. And so it was that York bravely fought but stupidly died at Wakefield, because he did not heed the advice of his council. Ah, this may not turn out well for me, my son. Run, run and save yourself, dearest Rutland. What? In these shoes? Sabatons were not made for running in, Father. I'll do myself the mischief. The line of succession lies squarely upon you and your manly shoulders now, my boy. And Edward, of course. I say what? 
Your firstborn son, you know, Edward. Oh, yes, yes, but you are my favorite, my dear, sweet, sweet boy. Now, go. Sir Clifford. Yes, my queen. Bring me his head. With pleasure. Now, wait. You, you can't do this. I'm Richard of your... Wow, brutal. Clifford the Butcher was definitely a butcher. But that wasn't the end of the Duke of York's family. Within a matter of weeks, York's first-born son, Edward, had mustered an army and was marching south out of Wales to confront the Lancastrians. Come, men. We must tramp at full pace in the name of the king. I have a name to make for myself. Eh, uh, bonjour, Monsieur Butler. Oh, pardon moi, I think they call him Wiltshire. Hey, all right. Uh, pardon, Monsieur Wiltshire. Um, to come on, eh? Yes, what is it? Um, when do we stop for uh, food avec drink? Oh, uh, yeah, we French mercenaries are très tired. And hungry. Oh, mon dieu. We, we are hungry too. Ah, we'll stop to eat once we've smashed into that 18-year-old Edward Earl of March's ranks. Well, all right, but d'accord, as we would say, but food is a very important part of French culture, and we are, as you can tell, en français. Ravenous too. <laughs> you know, now you are uh, parlaying my language. Do you speak for all of the French soldiers? Oui! All right, silly history boys, so we have Wiltshire. Uh, who else? Wiltshire also fights with Owen Tudor and his son. Jasper Tudor. Oh, whoa, 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 I'm just getting my head around Margaret of Anjou, Warwick, the Nevilles, etc. And now you throw another name into the mix. Surely you've heard of the Tudors. Well, of course I have. What do you take me for? But what are they doing here, I ask you? I mean, they just prance around in silly codpieces and marry everyone, don't they? Firstly, spoiler! Secondly, no. Their line is, in fact, more closely weaved into the tapestry of the Wars of the Roses than you would think. It is almost as though some, oh, I don't know, sort of upper-class English historians have downplayed the significance of the Welsh dynasty in the defeat of the Plantagenets. Isn't that odd? Isn't that odd? Wait till we get to part four, boys and girls. That we're going to be full ply Cymru burning caravans. Let's go back into the mists of time. What was that? That, dear Bilbo, was a bit of podcast theatre magic. It just sounded like you were having, you know, a moment. Nah, they'll add an effect in the edit to make it all time travelly. By they, you mean whoever's editing this one, yeah? Yep. Right, fine, just just do it again, and it, it literally, we'll sort it in post. Let's go back into the mists of time! Tangentially on the Plantagenets. I, Henry V, married a French princess called Catherine de Valois. Hiya! We had a son. I named him Henry, after his dead dad. I never met him but I was too busy being dead. I was a widow. I produced a king, but then everyone forgot about me. But I was still young and sexy, so I met up with a kindly Welshman called Wine Tudor. Honoured oh, my lovelies, it's me, Wine Tudor, innit? We had some lovely sons, Edward, Jasper and Edmund. Young Edmund married a 12-year-old girl called Margaret Beaufort, remember that, of the Beaufort family. One of John of Gaunt's lot. So now, 
We, Great Big Welsh Tudors, are now fully-fledged members of the English royal family. I do hope we're able to cause them some trouble in the next 60 years or so. Wow, I didn't know that. So this makes the Battle of Mortimer's Cross very important. Right, men, get after them! Pardonnez-moi, but which ones, boss? The Yorkists or the Welsh? The Welsh fight with us. We fight the young man on the other side of the road. Oh, mon dieu, but this is très dangerous. Well, that's war for you, my boy. No, not the uh, fighty bit, Monsieur Wiltshire. Not the mercerying, sir. We mean the road safety bit, Monsieur Wiltshire. We? Oui. Les voitures run down here at one hell of a lick, you know. As both armies lined up to face each other, the dark February sky began to brighten, and the chroniclers remarked that three suns rose into the sky and converged to form one glinting, gleaming super sun. Perhaps Edward, Earl of March, saw this as a symbol of victory for him, because just as the battle began, Run away! Wilshire disappeared just as he had done at the First Battle of St. Albans. This left the Tudors hugely outnumbered, and within the space of 30 minutes or so, the Tudor forces were routed and hacked, lanced and pummeled into defeat. Somehow Jasper managed to escape, but old Owen, husband of the Dowager Queen, father-in-law to King Henry VI, was captured. Right, okay, well, boys, fair play, you got me, well done. I, uh, I'm very sorry, and I promise that I, I won't do any of that again. So, um, if you could see your way clear to uh, forgiving me, and then perhaps locking me up at a naughty prison cell, and then we can uh, we'll all get on with life. Uh, uh, I am the husband of the Queen of England, after all, so that should stand me in some sort of not being killed instead, you know? What say you, my Lord of March? Uh, shall I spare this man? No, lop his head off. Sparadigoyes! Oh no! Well, that was easier than I thought. I could get used to this fighting lark. So what now? Crash down to London and seize the crown for myself, methinks. I would recommend you bide your time, my good lord. For while the French Queen looms large, your position is like a mouse on a tiny bicycle riding a tiny circus wire. Tenuous whiskers. But we have the dribbling buffoon in our keep. Surely we hold all the cards. Hold fast, my lord. Be patient, like the mouse on the bike. Hold fast. Wait, where did you come from? I didn't march up with you. Oh, my good lord, I make my home in the shadows. I have a timeshare in darkness. It is my business to remain subtle and unseen in all affairs. I see all, know all, write most things down in a list. Here's my latest one. Shine shoes, order pairs, overflow the realm. Yeah, a bit weird, that. Um, But tell me, how can I trust you? My dear friend, I loved your father well, as I once loved a goldfish. And I stand to love you all the more, even more than a goldfish, my lord. If only you were deemed to return my love. And by that I mean, do what I say. Cool. Warwick, as always, was right. Queen Margaret was indeed amassing a huge army from the north and was making good progress, burning the villages, bespoiling the populace, and pillaging as they marched. Bespoiling? Um, ask your dads, kids. Now, sure enough, the Queen and her Lancastrian army was heading south towards London at breakneck speed. 
We don't want northerners here in London, my lord of Warwick. They'll bespoil our womenfolk and leave greasy gravy fingerprints everywhere. My good friend, have no fear. These Northmen will not cross the Cripple Gate. Yet, ready yourself and hide the gravy. That's important. The good people of the capital must now form their own army. An army of London. A Cockney army. An army that does not say please or thank you. An army that does not talk to strangers on the tube. An army that is rude and aloof and superior and likes jelly deals. Ah, my lord, as always you have all the answers. Just what would we do without you? My dear, random, nameless alderman, I am far too modest to answer. But remember, everything I do, I do for this land and for me. What was that, my good lord of Warwick? Mm, what? No, nothing, nothing. Now, my dearest friend, spread the word. Ready the defences of London. The walls, the ramparts, the ring road. All shall defend the capital and make it an impregnable fortress. Meanwhile, somewhere in the Cotswolds. Right, men. We are many, but we fight with one cause. To recapture the king. You mean to rescue the king, your majesty? Uh, yes, Somerset, rescue, I, I meant that. But though we are warriors, we are gentlemen, and shall array ourselves as such. Here, everyone wear this badge of livery. It's the livery of my son, the Prince of Wales. You see, mate, every time we're led by a woman, there's always an agenda, isn't there? You're at the back. What did you just say? I said, uh, the badge of the Prince of Wales looks, looks very pretty, your majesty. It's true that the composite army of the Percys and Dukes of Exeter and Shrewsbury, as well as the French and Scottish mercenaries under the command of the Duke of Somerset, could have been seen as ragtag. The opposite was true. Instead, they marched under one banner, the banner of Henry and Margaret's infant prince. Your Majesty, is it right to have His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales with us at this next battle? He's only eight, after all. Somerset, I married a wet lettuce. I will not bring up a milksop as a son. Young Edward will have the heart of a lion, as all the females of his family have had before him. Very well, Your Majesty. Just an idea, madam. This is an outrage! Dare you speak to me like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bow and scrape, bow and scrape. Now, I've had this idea. Listen up, it's a good one. Instead of attacking down the A1M from Stevenage, uh, why not anger right across the A505 toward Luton and then catch them Yorkies with their pants down? Eh? This man speaks well, Your Majesty. Who are you, sir? Trollope, Your Majesty. Didn't you fight for the Yorks at Wakefield? Yes, ma'am. Or did I? Did I not send the Duke of York to his death with a few choice words, eh? Oh, excellent, excellent work, my Lord Trollope. Don't, Don't be a suck-up, Somerset. Meanwhile, near St Albans. Here we are, my good Lord. Here is where me and your old man surprised King Henry's men back in 55. Good, good. Welcome soil for us, then. Uh, what is he doing here? Second Cousin York, could you sub me a penny, please? There's a yieldy sweet shop over there, and I'm going to surround it from all sides and claim victory over it. Yeah, very good. Now, here, take these two pennies and go knock yourself out. My Lord Monville, take the king to that tree over there and don't let him out of your sight. 
Report back to me when all of this mess is over. Surprise! Wait, wh who? Wh Warwick? You said they would attack from the east, not down the M1 from Luton. Have at the men take no quarter. Cut down everyone you see. You see, Somerset? You can be burly when you want to be. Ooh, thank you, Your Majesty. Oh my, I've got a lump in my throat. My heart is beating. Shut up, Somerset. The moment's gone. Now go and kill me some Yorkists. Warwick, this is supposed to be a happy hunting ground. Why on earth are we being overrun by Northerners? French, and heaven help me, the Scottish. And a woman. Oh, my life could this day get any worse. At least I have you, Warwick, on the field with me as my companion, my tutor, my advisor, my... Warwick? Warwick! Don't forget, Michael King. I live in the shadows. My mind is a hive. A beehive. My breath is the wind. My... Oh, my taxes arrive. Right, see you later. Bye! It looks like we're surrounded on three sides. What am I supposed to do? Oh, trust me, my good lord. You'll be fine. Just fight it out and we'll discuss your victory on the morrow. See you later. Bye! no victory for the Yorkists that day. Throughout the battle, King Henry sat under a tree and laughed and sung to himself. He was swiftly rescued by the Queen's bodyguard, and Lord Bonville, who was King's jailer, was summarily beheaded. I didn't even get to swing me sword. Yet, a victory at St Albans did not offer the release that Margaret craved, for Warwick would not allow the King and his family to pass through the gates of London that easily. Ring out the bells and sing songs triumphant. Your king has returned victorious to you. Bring victuals and succor to your gates, for my men are hungry and need sustenance. Nah, you're all right, miss. Sing choirs of angels, right glad we are... What? We don't want your salt here. Who is it, Trev? Some woman says she's a queen. Ah, tell her to go and be a queen somewhere else. We'll not have her northerners here in London. My lord of Warwick warned us about you lot. He said that you have looted, ransacked and bespoiled your way through the country. Poor St Albans is on its knees thanks to you. Here, Trev. Yes, Darren? What does bespoil actually mean? Oh, it's a naughty crime. Lock up your daughters, yeah. Oh, no one actually knows. It's a thing that apparently we olden day people used to say. Either way, you're not welcome here. Meanwhile, up in the Cotswolds. What the? Where did you go? Not cool, man. Not cool. Now the royal family have regrouped. My race has been run and lost. What should I do now? Not entirely lost, my good lord. London stands against the king. Even now, they chant your name. <sighs> Edward, Edward, Edward. And not King Henry's. To them, you are their king. But how can that be? Do you remember the accord that the council members agreed to way back in 1460? Last year, yeah, I remember it. You were present, uh, as was Chancellor John Neville and the Archbishop Thomas Neville bit one-sided, if you ask me. Shush. Just remember, the accord worked only if a peaceable solution had been reached. Your poor father was hacked down in his prime. Murdered. I think that the accord has been broken. Go, my lord, to London and sit upon the throne that is yours by right. You are truly unnerving, Warwick. But I shall do what you say. Oh, onwards, Sir Clippicloth. Ride on to London. 
London welcomed Edward Earl of March with open arms. They scribed banners and hung them in the streets. Right. <clears throat> Good fellows of London, do you wish that Henry remain as king? Would you have, instead, Edward, son of Richard, Earl of March as your king? On the 4th of March, Edward, Earl of March, was formally and somewhat legally pronounced king. He wore the robes and the caps of state, but not the crown. No, because that still kind of belongs to Henry VI. Yes, folks, in early March, we had two kings. Queen Margaret was not happy. She raised another army whilst on her travels back up north. They holed out in York and asked all the great lords and families to rise up in the name of the true and anointed king. Her pleas did not fall on deaf ears. Many thousands of men from north of the River Trent made ready to rally to Henry VI's cause. Soon enough, the king... Which king? King Henry, the Lancastrian one. Soon enough, he had raised an army numbering well over 50,000 men. So the chronicles say, at least. The numbers were swelled with men-at-arms, gunners, archers, mercenaries and common folk. Warwick, too, raised an army in the king's name. Which king? The other one, Pear Bear. King Edward. Are you finished with your questions? Yes, I was being silly. I've lost my train of thought now. I got this, don't worry, don't worry, I like wars and that. Warwick and Edward had raised an army along with the Burgundians and mostly people from the south. The army had swelled to near 38,000 men, which is big for the period. Now I'm just doing my maths here, you know, as I do, just regularly, and uh, that's over 88,000 men in one place at one time. That's more than the population of Burton-on-Trent. Where is that? It sounds so irrelevant. Ah, come on. You know? My hometown? Home of the mighty brewers? Oh my god, no one cares. Home to Marmite, Branston Pickle, Bovril, all the beer ever? Oh, that dumb. You should have said. said. Still ambivalent, mate. Is that you silly boys again? Come to join the fun, have you? And by fun, I mean violence. Oh god, it's the butcher. He'd sooner kill us than befriend us. Come on, lads. We're all ready and in need of bright, sparkling minds like yours. Oh, we're not really made for battle, thank you, Mr. Clifford. I can hardly wrestle with my one-year-old, let alone a normal-year-old. Sorry, Mr. Clifford. My backbones are beginning to fuse together. I'm as stiff as a rake. At the turning circle of an ironing board, I can be no use to you. <laughs> Unless you pick me up and thwack me around the heads of your opponents like you would an ironing board. <laughs> Please don't use me as an ironing board. I too will have to excuse myself, Mr Clifford, much as I would love to help. I'm really only proficient with foam toy hammer based weapons, so uh, yeah, there it is. What about him? The very quiet, mousy one curring in corner. Oh, I bet his smug face is good at fighting. Yeah, best not to call on Bob Bob or his mighty pectoral muscles for help. Why? Well, he's a scouser, you see. Yeah, and he's he's a Welsh scouser at that. Plastic Welsh, but you know. Poor bloke doesn't know if he's coming or going. Fine, I'll kill all these Yorkies myself then. Oi, have any of you lot seen a bridge lying around? I have a plan to destroy all the bridges around Tadcaster to all the movements of the usurper king's army. Which king? Pear Bear, he means Edward. Keep up with you. You are unusually thick this episode. What's Tombo got against you? Well, actually, Mr Clifford, you're standing on a bridge as we speak. And which bridge would this be? Hang on, I'll just read the tourist information sign. 
Ooh, it says, here stands the ferry bridge where once stood Lord de Clifford before being shot by an arrow 28th of March 1461. Woo, that's interesting, isn't it? Right, many thanks, lad. So, it's called Ferry Bridge, is it? Right, Ferry Bridge. Wait, read that last line again. Before being shot by an arrow. <laughs> oh, actually, it's multiple arrows, that, isn't it? Oh, thanks very much, lads. Ah, I think I'm just going to have a lie down here, you know. Ah, oh, I'm cold all of a sudden. I know it's winter, but I'm very cold. And my chest, I've got an arrow in it. Yeah. Clifford was right, though. It was cold, bitterly cold. And the very next day, it only served to get yet colder still. In the now Arctic conditions, both armies formed well, well, up well, well, Are we just going to gloss over the fact that we're just watching a man die in front of us? Shouldn't we at least have, like, a, a minute's silence or something? You found your voice again pretty quickly. What was all that cowering in the bush for? You know I'm not a fan of strange men in shining armour. Apart from Optimus Prime. Well, you are not going to like what's about to happen tomorrow. On the 29th of March, Palm Sunday, both kings faced each other in a momentous battle. Well, you say both kings. One's not yet officially king, and the real king is an empty shell of a man. Fine. Both armies faced each other in a battle between Tadcaster and York at a place called Towton. Not that you could see Towton. All the fields and becks that surrounded it. Yes, because of the sheer numbers of men that covered the ground. No, Bilbo, because of the snow. <sighs> the winds whipped and the snow was driven into the eyes of every man present. Including the king? Which? Don't you dare, Pear Bear. Sorry. Uh, no, King Henry was not present and neither was the queen. And nor was their little son, Prince Edward. All of the royal family were stowed away at a safe distance in York. So who was commanding the king's... The Lancastrian king's troops. The Queen's favourite, Somerset, and the Duke of Exeter, and also the Earl of Northampton, and the strangely notorious turncoat, Andrew Trollope. Hello, boys. That'll be Sir Andrew Trollope to you. Weren't you just a soldier at Calais a while back? And now I'm commanding the vanguard of King Henry's army. Good, eh? Now, come on, gents. I need some cup bearers with me. All four of us? How much wine do you drink? I think I'm going to need it. This little soiree might end up being a bloodbath. Warwick has put a bounty on my head. Literally, one trollop-shaped head earns you fully 100 quid. <laughs> you know what? I might just do it myself. Right, lads, point me in the direction of the melee. I'm well up for a fight. Are you sure, Mr Wiltshire? I mean, you did run away from the first Battle of St Albans. And only a few weeks ago, you legged it at the Battle of Mortimer's Cross. Well, boys, that was then, and uh, and this is now. Time to make history. Meanwhile, across on the other side of the field... Warwick, where is Norfolk? He said he'd be here. All in good time, my lord. Be patient, and this wind will blow you up onto the throne like a gusty fart of glory. I hope you're right, Warwick. I can hardly see my own beautiful nose, let alone Somerset's men. How fares our position, my lord, Falconbeck? Good, my lord. We take the lower ground, my lord. Well, that's it. We're doomed. Outmannered. Outmaneuvered. Yet, my lord, we have the winds at our backs, my lord. Ah, the Zephyr, Warwick. Huh. Those idiots shall be piddling into the wind. Back up the hill, some of the Lancastrian forces were given new-fangled hand cannon. 
What does it do, Edward? Well, Edward, you put the powder in here and ram it down. And then you put the shot in there and wad it in. And then you take a slow match. I've heard this before, Edward. A podcast I once heard about pirates. It didn't end well. And you put it near this hole and kaboom! That's how we're going to win this battle. It rips through armour and faces and everything. Have you tried it, Edward? No, it'll be fine. Modern technology, isn't it? Morning, Edward. Edward? Edward! Oh, when's kick-off? I'm freezing up on this high ground. Oh, look, lads. Something's kicking off. It looks like our archers have loosed a volley of arrows. Oh, good. It means I'll be able to get back home in time to watch Match of the Day. Looks like Edward's dead then. Them Yorkies have certainly found their rage quickly, haven't they? Oh, my eye! Edward? Edward? Oh, lordy. Both heads are dead. Right, I'm not going down without a fight. Now, how did Edward say you use this thing? Ah, my face! What was that explosion, Warwick? Don't worry, my lord. Just some half-wit blowing himself up with a hand cannon. And fear not, my lord. Observe. The wind is stopping the Lancastrian arrows from reaching our vanguard. They haven't even tickled them. All will be well. My lord, it seems the upstart Trollope has chased our cavalry away, my lord. I hate that guy. Never mind. He's full of hot air, and hot air must rise. But it's really cold here, so that won't... Sorry, some of my analogies are getting a little bit tortuous. A word from the front, my lords. The ground is all churned up. Yeah, the footing is sodden from the snow. Our cavalry won't be able to mount this hill, my lords. Well, that's as well, they have scarpered. Trollop's days are numbered, the little trollop. Falkenberg, see those men and horses sliding in vain trying to get back up the hill again? Yes, my lord. Kill them and bring me Trollop's head, the little hussy. Very good, my lord. Oh. Looks like Trollope has just been run through. Yes, Tombo, and look, the Lancastrians are venturing downhill into the blizzard. Who's that Norfolk-shaped commander taking up the rearguard behind Warwick? Uh, oh, that'll be Norfolk, Tombo. This could get interesting. Um, Pepper? Yes? Are we on the wrong side? Yes, let's quit the field. What should we do with Trollope's wine? Let's take it back to SHB headquarters and we'll drink it later. Norfolk's men did indeed join the right flank of Warwick and Edward's army, albeit late. Warwick's plan was coming together beautifully. There were a solid few hours of bitter and bloody combat before Norfolk's right flank started to press the advantage and the Lancastrians were wheeled around. Instead of facing downhill with the marshy land and Cock Beck as extra protection to their right, the Beck became the only means of escape. Good, my lord. We have them. They are running into danger. Do we call that a victory? Or do we press, my lord? Press, men, but only men of note. The common man must be permitted to see their families again. Kill them all, Falkenberg. Every last one of them. The Zephyr turned a little bit Gale Force 10, my lord of Warwick. Do you want the flipping crown or not, my lord? Falkenberg, hack them down where they stand. Very good, your majesty. Not yet, Falkenberg, not yet. Don't jinx it. The Yorkist army did indeed mow down anyone wearing the wrong livery that day. 
the routed army fled in peril at Cockbeck, a small river that was flanked on either side by steep banks. The only way off the battlefield was to slide down the bank and swim to the other side. But with nearly 40,000 men all with the same idea, the traffic build-up was catastrophic. Many men were crushed or drowned or, or both by members of their own side trying to flee the field. All the while, the Yorkist army were cutting down the stragglers. Now, you see, this doesn't sound very silly to me. I mean, should we even mention the fact that the victors were cutting off fingers of the dead men to harvest the rings and, you know, ripping off the armour and leaving naked men out in the frigid air? Uh, nah, you're right, let's not say that. It's probably a bit much, isn't it? Yep, agreed. I won't say any of that stuff that I just said. Wow, what a decisive victory for the York crowd! Not without cost, though. Perhaps 28,000 men lay dead after Towton. 28,000? That, that, that's a lot. It is a lot. It's the bloodiest battle ever fought on English soil. And it was said that the rivers and becks around Towton ran red with blood for weeks. And even after hundreds of years, the field where the Lancastrians fled was still known as the Bloody Meadow. Yep. Laugh a minute stuff. Yeah, super funny, isn't it? Well, if we think it's not funny... Think how unfunny it's going to be for Queen Margaret when she finds out. My dearest Queen, I bring grave news. Ooh, has there been some fighting? Yes, your majesty. Perhaps you could pack a bag and go on holiday for a bit. I've heard Scotland is nice this time of year. Oh, lovely. A, a big bag, do you think, Somerset? Hand luggage only, your majesty. Security are on to us and the gate closes in five minutes. What? No time to buy a Toblerone? Please, let us just go. What happened, Somerset? I'll tell you all about it on the journey up. Somerset, can we get an ice cream? Run! And so, with Edward, Earl of March's victory at Towton, he was king in all but name. Edward travelled back to London to receive his crown. He was finally coronated in June 1461. So that's it then. We wrapped the Wars of the Roses up in two parts. Well, no. It's not finished. Not even close. Guess how many years we have left. Go on, guess. 24 years. 24 more years of roses. 24 more years of battles, death and double crossings. Oh man, that was really bloody, especially towards the end. I started to feel a bit ill. I'd... Oh boys, I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to have to take a sit down. So just just excuse me if I only manage a sorry at the end, okay? Ooh. We all need a bit of a sit down. Yeah. Let's not sit here though. It's a bit... Corpsey. And so ends another exciting edition of The Silly History Boys Show! And for all the death, snow, death, and more death, we are, as always, sorry! Alton for the throne is Snow Joke, or as I affectionately call it, episode 30, was written and produced by the Silly History Boys. Richard Neville, Earl of Warwick, John the Butcher de Clifford, Owen Tudor, George Neville, and narration slithered out of Wales and made camp in the northwest under the shadowy orchestration of Rob Uncle Bob Bob Bond. Edward, Earl of March, 
Richard, Duke of York, additional voices and narration sailed in from mysterious foreign shores to take up their rightful seat in the north with Will, Uncle Bilbo Tristram, the Earl of Rutland, Sir Anthony Trollope, Henry VI, Henry V, Lord Bonville, London Alderman, additional voices and narration stubbornly dug into the Midlands in the form of Tom, Tombo Fermor, George, Duke of Clarence, Salisbury, Wiltshire, Somerset, Falkenberg, previously on, voiceover man and narration limped from the broads to the north, driven on by the incessant beat of Stew the Pear Bear Perry. Catherine de Valois was stolen away from the City of Steel and forced into Mercian wedlock and sounds a lot like Gemma von Bon Bon. Margaret of Anjou also settled for the hand she was dealt with a dribbling idiot in the Midlands, thrust forward by Beth, Beth Starfermor. Special thanks to Zap Splat for music and noises what happened. Even more thanks to the wonderful Scott Buckley for some excellent tunes. And thank you Shane Ivers at Silverman Sound for the use of Medieval Banquet. And as ever, a big round for Lord Fastfingers, creator of the intro theme. Congratulations on a second little lady Fastfingers who has recently come into the world. We promise we will hardly lean on Lord Fastfingers for any more music beyond the next 10 shows he already signed on for. No sleep for you, sucker! Get in your guitar shed! Follow us on Facebook at Silly History Boys Show, on the Twitters at SHB underscore show. Want to get in touch? Suggest a show? Give us a boo? Or if you just want to give us some money, why not email us at sillyhistoryboysshow at gmail.com. And please, if you have enjoyed the show, do rate and review on your chosen podcast platform. Help us grow, grow, grow beyond our means. Yeah, we'll see you next time for more Wars of the Roses. Instead of facing downhill with the marshy land and cock beck as extra protection to their right. Is that what it's called? Okay. <laughs>